So, this episode is a very special episode because of two things. One, today's Tuesday. Two, 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 two. You know, that's Uh, not relevant to the people who are listening to this, right? No, but that's when we're recording. And I would like everyone to know that we're recording on Tuesday. And my my sweet baby pup, Porter, turns two today. So, the prophecies foretold of his arrival... Uh, also, yesterday was President's Day, which is like the greatest holiday. I hope you guys did all of your President's Day traditions, invading poor countries. Committing crimes. I mean, let's just be honest. Committing crimes. Russia did that for President's they Day. Yeah, they did. Right. Yeah. Uh, all of this would be very relevant if this came out when we recorded it, but it's not going <laughs> to for weeks. So by this point, we're already in World War Three. So, guys, this is this is coming back from a time before it all broke out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. If World War Three happens to me and Colin have to shave our beards. Why would you have to shave? Because you beards? get drafted. You can't have a beard in the military. Oh, I thought we were old enough that we got out of that. What does Colin look like without a beard? I haven't seen one in a long time. I look 12. I haven't seen you without a beard. Look like a 12 year old. You ever seen a 12 year old? Yeah. You've seen me without a beard. Oh, okay. <laughs> cool. All right, let's do an episode. Let's do an episode. Oh, I'm, you know what? Hold on. I got one more thing. Uh, I, when I was setting up the seasons for this season, I found that season one was in 2020. Season two started in January of 2021, and season three is now started in 2022. So honestly, we we planned this the whole time. Exactly. The whole there time. was no was idea. The whole time. This was no always the plan. We were just throwing y'all off with all the stuff about, you know, we're going to release a new episode in August or November we say or whatever seasons. the hell seasons. What we mean is years. Years. Oh, yeah. <laughs> cool. All right, I just want everyone to know that we will never be able to do a video version of this podcast because at the start of all, what you don't see is we actually play the intro and I dance during it every time. I always do the drum fill when the drums come in. I do it like with my hands. Also, if we did a live version of this, like a video version, we are exceptionally ugly yeah we are yeah. not you know what that, at that point the i really wish you hadn't would have been the video version of the podcast right if we weren't ugly we would have had a youtube channel exactly but look where we're at <laughs> this is more convenient for cars anyways uh so howdy 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 and welcome back to i really wish you hadn't what does that mean it's more convenient like, for like cars. if you're like driving like you're commuting oh yeah. listening to it yeah you right. shouldn't watch yeah you should you shouldn't watch. watch videos while you drive i do have friends who do that though like i, I had an friend. uber driver who was watching a movie as he was uber drivering us <laughs> on his phone mm. what was the movie uh, I think it was like Gladiator, the one with Russell Crowe. That's pretty badass. Yeah, he almost wrecked like twice. <laughs> it was <laughs> it was terrifying, but it was a oh, great Jesus. time as well. I was also watching. But yeah, so welcome back. Uh, I'm here. My name, me, Cameron McMahon, here as always with my succulent co-host, Michael Bentley. Ca-ca! Yeah, that's him being succulent. And my bodacious producer colin moore gross (laughs) 
So today we are talking about something that I know nothing about, or I think I know nothing about. I was about to say, I wanted to hear what you said, because I've kept this a secret. Michael wouldn't tell me. He, he's been very adamant that we're keeping this one a secret. So it better be cool. It better be something that I don't know about. I don't know. He's been keeping it hush-hush. Can you finally so, tell me what it is? Yeah, I can. And here's the thing is like, I was afraid you were going to Google it, but I don't know how much you would have got out of Googling it because this man does not have a Wikipedia page. Oh, God. And we're about to do a whole episode on him. His name is Edwin Rist. Haven't we done this before? We did something that didn't have a Wikipedia page? We've had stuff that, like, didn't have a lot of information. I don't think we've ever done one that straight up didn't, like, there was no Wikipedia presence at all. Ah. So, you know, after you listen to this episode, if you want to go write the Wikipedia page for Edwin Rist, you know, you can contribute to society. And make sure you source the podcast as your source on Wikipedia. Eggs at, well. <laughs> I would not Just do it. Cite, source. cite do our it. sources. I'll go over our sources. At the end. Anyway. You can't cite us as a source. I straight up lie sometimes because I think it's funny. <laughs> Last episode, I said that, what was it? Killed more people than... Uh, the CIA, but I think you were right about that. You said the, the CIA. CIA killed thousands of people no, per day. It was, no, it was <laughs> right. something else that killed pe more people in car accidents and it was way off. I looked it oh, up later. Skiing. That was skiing. Skiing was like, skiing was like 13 people a day. Or a year. It was like... What? I was well, about to say. No, a year, a year, a year. Sorry. Um, the CIA kills 13 people per day through quote-unquote skiing accidents. Wow. Sony Bono was was a CIA hit. Wow. Incredible. Yeah, so you can't use us as a source on Wikipedia because I lie. Well, but that's the true Wikipedia way, right? Is lies and misinformation. Uh, Wikipedia is typically pretty solid. Yeah, like, I, I will read books to study for this podcast, and then I will, like, consult the Wikipedia to see if there's anything I missed, and the Wikipedia is always spot on. People who say that Wikipedia is inaccurate are lazy old people. Uh, not true. In the Converse episode, I had to edit Wikipedia. He, Yeah, he's a contributor, remember? He's yeah, a Wikipedia contributor. Twice. That's right. We have talked about this. There's another episode I contributed on, and I can't remember what it was. I think I added something to a page. Or, I think I actually... No, 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 it was DeLorean. DeLorean, it also had misinformation on it, and I changed it, because I was like, that's, that's not true. You're thinking of the more modern version of the DeLorean watches, they had the wrong name on it. Yeah, ah, this, this podcast has contributed to society. Wow. We are edutainment. We are edutainment. So let's, uh, let's talk about Edwin Rist. So just a quick overview for where we're heading. Edwin is a prominent flautist, meaning he uh, is very he good plays at the flute. the flute. Yes. Right. Good yeah, we all knew what that was. I didn't. Everyone knew what a flautist was. I don't think so. I've uh, I've talked to multiple people who have no idea what that is. Did you never hit on a band chick when you were in high school? No, that would involve talking to women, which I generally <laughs> don't do. That's a good policy. <laughs> but that wasn't his only hobby. Edwin was also very prominent, probably the biggest up-and-comer within the fly-tying community. Uh, so people who tie lures that fly fishermen use to catch fish. Also knew what that meant. Well, I didn't know that one. I'm okay. smarter than you. Okay. I've I've actually been fly fishing. Okay. I would say I do catch and release, but I don't catch anything to release. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> no, that's not funny. <laughs> so through his love of fly tying, Edwin made enough money to buy a golden flute. Wait. So he was... Oh, okay. Well, Did the devil come down to whatever state he's from... 
And yeah, he, and he won to, it in some he, sort he, of in, in in a fly tying competition. Actually, no. Oh, the way I was he going with the a flautist competition. Right, like the traditional devil went down to Georgia. Well, and I did say that he he bought it through through his hobby of fly tying oh, okay. in an indirect way. I got gotcha. you. Wait, um, what year is this? I mean, a lot of years. We're gonna start in the '90s. The real beat of the story happens in like 2009. I feel like, how do you make money on making flies? I feel I like... I guess we're gonna find out through the episode, huh? Well, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> I guess that's a good one. I would imagine that people who are interested in fly fishing all make their own flies. Okay, so... <clears throat> well, I'm skipping ahead, aren't I? You know what? You go ahead. I now, Okay, well... Let's do it when you planned it and see there's... if your timing is, is good. Okay, I almost forgot... He's also known for heisting a British museum out of centuries-old birds. Out of, wait, heisting a British heisting museum, a museum out of centuries-old, he heisted century-old birds out birds of a British museum. the British museum, yeah. He didn't take a British museum out of century-old birds. No, he took centuries-old birds, like bird specimens. Birds that were centuries years old. Are you going to get yes. into, like, why, or... Yeah, that's kind of the episode. Or okay. how? All right. How did they live? You to didn't be need so to long? tell us that now. No, they're not no. living. They're like the the specimen. They they were dead, but they're like <laughs> anyway. The story of Edwin Rist starts as many great stories do, with the boredom of a child. Edwin Rist was born to two Ivy League graduates who encouraged their two sons to pursue creative endeavors. Edwin took a strong interest in the flute after taking private recorder lessons, which I didn't know that like the recorder was an actual instrument that you could like get lessons in. I thought it was yeah, just it's I actually have some insight into this. The recorder is a very simple instrument in the fact it's not like a flute. You don't have to like position your air blowing perfectly and it's mm -hmm. not like, you know, stringed instruments are actually pretty complicated. There's a there's a big arc with the hill piano's little big for a child's hands so that kind of makes a recorder like the perfect like starting instrument because when it's simple you can start getting into like music theory really just reading some very basic music yeah and then like you don't have a lot of those hurdles that you have with other larger instruments so the recorder is a good one to get into yeah yeah so he's great at it which leads him into playing the flute so, you know, he gets an early start in music. But the hobby that him and his brother took a liking to the most was tying fishing flies. Now, at the time, Edwin's father was writing articles for Discover magazine. And he was currently working on an article related to the physics that goes into fly fishing. So as study material, he picked up a VHS called the Orvis Fly Fishing School. Now, this video wasn't specifically about how to tie flies, but there was a short section about tying a simple fly using a feather. And it was basically love at first sight for Edwin and his younger brother. The boys began trying their hand at tying their own flies, but there wasn't much around the house to work with. You see, feathers from a down pillow don't really lend themselves to catching fish. I guess that makes sense. My question, Discover Magazine. Okay. Is that is it like an off-brand Nat Geo? I have no idea. You have no idea. Research. Okay, cool. We don't know about the magazine. I don't know. That's he, fine. So, so the dad wrote a few different articles for him. Normally, it was something related to physics and sports. So, like, I'm sure it was like a, you know, I don't know, a hobbyist right. magazine or something like that. And this is like the 90s, right? So people yeah, still so read magazines. Yeah, so this is magazines. like the late 90s, right? Right. Magazines are popular. Right. So being supporting parents, the Riz start sourcing materials and mentors for their sons in the fly tying community. 
Now, you may be wondering why I'm saying fly tying community and not the fly fishing community. Well, there's a niche subculture within the fly fishing community that focuses solely on tying nice looking flies. I bet that is like honestly super relaxing. Yeah. I I guarantee you if that community is still alive and well, which I imagine it is. I imagine there's still people doing fly tying. Mm-hmm. Like 95% of them probably listen to lo-fi beats to chill slash study slash relax too. I doubt it because as we're going to get into, this is a much older crowd. <laughs> <laughs> they oh. probably don't know what lo-fi beats are. Merle Haggard, then. <laughs> yeah, some Grateful Dead. What is relaxing? Did did the generation before us have relaxing music? Or was it all... Conway Twitty. Yeah, country. Yeah, but, but nothing country. like... Did they have, like, vibing music, though? I don't feel like there was, like... Vibing is strictly prohibited in the 20th century. There was classical. I feel like classical. Classical, yeah, yeah. Some classical stuff gets pretty fucking intense, though. It does, but I mean, there's a lot of, like, violin, stuff like that. Yeah, I don't know. okay. Now, these ties aren't meant to be cast and exist merely to bolster the art form of tying. There's a major slant towards using recipes that were written hundreds of years ago before wildlife conservation was a concern. So, as such, the feathers needed come from endangered and sometimes extinct birds of paradise. So, as you can imagine, this isn't a cheap hobby. But it's also a hobby almost exclusively for old men, as I previously mentioned. So when two children were so interested, they got a lot of attention from this community. Right. Fly Tire Magazine did a write-up of the two boys, proclaiming them the future of fly tying. So the next part of the story is very similar to Bobby Fischer. You've got this young kid with innate talent, starting to be trained by masters in a relatively niche hobby. I, th- I feel like you're calling it a hobby, Considering the fact that they're not actually used for tying, I mean, straight up, this is this is an art form, right? That's how I mean, they view this. It's like they're making like art because they're showing it to each other and that sort of thing, I, right? I, I would agree with that. I think a lot of art you could consider a hobby. I mean, like if you're not a professional, like a lot of painting, like, I mean, you know, wine, wine painting stuff, classes, that's a hobby. Yeah, that's a hobby, but... It's a hobby till you start making money on it, and you've already spoiled, you've already spoiled that he's making money on it. If you make money on it, is he making money? I don't know. Let's get into it. I I, kind of, I kind of wish I hadn't said that. I really wish you had. We got to get there. (laughs) We'll get there. Mm -hmm. The money, the money, it's like, it's a closed, it's a closed economy. The money is never, not coming from outside. The money's just changing hands within the community. (laughs) Okay, cool. The only people interested in this are other fly tires. That's why this is a hobby (laughs) and not an art form, is no one else cares. (laughs) All right, I got it. So Edwin is learning very quickly from these masters, and I feel weird calling them masters, because after after I just demean this whole community. You should call them grandmasters. Grandmasters. Honestly, I mean, these are the best people in the world. He's learning from some of the best people in the world. I'm resisting the temptation to look up more about this community, because I'm actually thoroughly fast. I love stupid hobbies. Just well, wait, wait until after you listen to this podcast, not record it. You have to wait until okay. it comes out and you listen okay. to it. Okay, that's true. And I hear yeah, the yeah. final product. Yeah. Okay, so Edwin starts entering fly tying competitions and winning pretty regularly. Because uh, he's got young hands and he's up against old men, like I said. Right. Now, at this point, Edwin's mostly tying practical flies. Uh, but as he keeps going to these competitions, he's starting to get exposed to these luxury salmon flies that I was describing. 
Uh, he quickly abandons trout tying, which is, again, you know, those more practical, like, you can get one done per minute. Like, he was incredibly fast at doing them, and it was all about speed and, you know, practicality, whereas the salmon flies can take hours to make. But as he's seeing these, he's like, I would much rather be doing that. That's, again, he sees the art in it, and so he right. just becomes fascinated with it. So as I mentioned, he's abandoned tying trout flies, and he's now dove headfirst into the world of tying salmon flies. The problem being, as we mentioned before, the needed materials aren't necessarily something you can buy at a craft store. So Edwin was forced to turn to the worst place on Earth. The internet. Oh, God. Oh, God. There were a number of forums dedicated to salmon fly tying that featured marketplaces. And if that failed, there was always eBay. But again, these prices were astronomical. Enough feathers to tie a single fly could be in the hundreds of dollars, if not thousands. I'm going to say the art's not about how much money you get from it, but how much money you put into it. Well, they would agree with you. If I put $1,000 into something that was purely aesthetic, because he's not using these for fishing. No one's using these for fishing, right? right? Yep. If I'm putting $1,000 into something that's purely aesthetic, I'm calling it art. Exactly. Yeah, it's 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 all about... Uh, um sunk cost at that point you've got it right. you've got to see some return so you're like oh yeah i spent thousands of dollars on katinga feathers this thing's art now gundams are a hobby until you put enough money into it exactly then it's art <laughs> then it's art so edwin being a child doesn't really have a lot of income to spare uh so he starts conversing with the community uh specifically a guy named john mclean who happened to be a retired cop I think you mean John McCain, and he was a prisoner of war. So I'm gonna need you to show some respect. There. No, uh, John McClane is the is the is the guy from Die Hard. Got thank you, Colin. He really, it's yeah, John McClane, yeah. the the cop from Die Hard. From Die Hard, Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis. Yeah, so he's so so. B. Willie. So, so B. Willie <laughs> is talking to Edwin Rist about how to get feathers. Hell yeah! And basically, he tells him like you know. If you go down to the zoo in molting season, they're going to be handing feathers out like nobody's business. So that's what he does. He gets some feathers that way. They do hand out feathers at zoos. They do. Yeah. Um, they do? I've been to zoos and received feathers. You must have been going during molting season. Obviously. <laughs> it seems like a health risk. I don't know why they would take that risk. I don't think every bird has the same molting season. Well, I mean, that being said, this is also when I was a child. In the early 2000s, I feel like we cared less about safety. Yeah. Now, as you may have figured out by now, Edwin's wicked smart. Wicked smart. So at the age of 13, he had already been accepted to a local community college. Matt Damon. <laughs> yeah, he's literally Matt Damon. Uh, and he's also progressing pretty quickly with his uh, flouting. Mm -hmm. And he recently earned a seat on the New York youth symphony orchestra within three years he's earned his associate's degree in fine arts at the age of 16 and edwin was accepted to the royal academy of music in london which is considered by many to be the best music school in the world elton john went there elton john went to the royal music academy of london that's sir, sir elton, elton john, john. that yeah. thank you sir yeah sir elton john sorry that's uh that's my bad i don't recognize the monarchy i don't think i don't think Knights are considered part of the monarchy. I mean, they're knighted by they're, the monarchy, but they're not exactly. They technically hold a rank in the military. Uh, another interesting point 
the queen has COVID, so either by the end of this she's healthy or she dies. <laughs> we might want to. Yeah, by the time this episode comes out in 2029. Uh, the queen will either be dead or we will reveal that she's been immortal the whole time. She might be. That's possible. Who knows? God save her. So, leaving for London, Edwin decides that he should leave his tying equipment in the U.S. for fear of not clearing through customs with exotic bird feathers. He also wants to focus almost all his efforts on flouting, because he is a flautist, after all. Right. But his interest stayed alive through going to natural history museums around England and viewing their collections of beautiful antique birds. Through a contact in the flytime community, Edwin learned that the Tring Museum had a huge collection of birds not accessible by the general public. The collection was home to thousands of birds collected over hundreds of years, including the actual finches that Charles Darwin studied to put together his evolutionary theory. That is pretty sick. Yeah, I mean, it's a dope collection. I would be interested in seeing those finches. Did you say it was a train museum? Tr- Tring, I'm sorry, it's a, it's a city in England. Tring, Tring. okay. T-R-I-N-G. Tring? Yeah, Tring. Wow. British people don't even know how to name cities. I know, right? Terrible. Uh, as mentioned, this this collection was cut off from the general public, and unfortunately for Edwin, he was a member of the general public. So getting access would take some planning. Wait, who is it for? It's for researchers. Or a re- Oh, okay. I guess that kind of makes sense. So, like, for instance, we've learned... I, I, it's either greenhouse gases or some. There's something that we're doing to the environment that's causing uh, bird eggs to get thinner. Um, oh yeah, because deep. we've. Yeah, it was deep. Yeah, that's deep. it. Yeah, uh, and we know that because the Tring Museum had the eggs. Like they have this whole collection, so we're taking these birds from different stages uh, of the planet, and then we can determine. Okay, how are we affecting these different populations of birds? That's their scientific merit and why we keep them and why we don't let people touch them. That's pretty sick. Like I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure they use that to find out that birds aren't real, right? Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So if you cut a bird open today, you'll see that it's got mechanical insides, whereas right. the ones back then had biological insides. I'm in, I'm actually interested in <laughs> seeing this collection. You can't. You're a part of the general public. Right. Which is why I'm going to ask Michael to plug it one more time. And if he plugs it one more time... Well, I'll, let me just tell you how to get in. Okay. How about that? Great. Okay. Yeah, that'd be okay. awesome. So Edwin emailed the museum from his personal email address saying that he was assisting an Oxford student with their dissertation about Birds of Paradise. So he was going to need to come take some photographs. I would say, how do you think that went? But I feel like we've kind of uh, skipped over that. I'm assuming that's a lie. It's a lie. Oh, yeah, it's a complete lie. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. that was all bullshit. But they were like, I'm sorry, that that was that was, that was was not true. But they were like, of course, come on in. Why not? We like Oxford. Yeah. Uh, so dude just shows up with a camera on the day that they had scheduled, and they just let him in and say, hey, have at it. He did have to sign in, uh, which he did with his actual name, which is a bad move. Mm-hmm, yep. Uh, and they just left him alone in the collection. As Edwin starts pulling out drawers and taking pictures, his mouth is practically salivating. Here in the flesh are hundreds of full specimens they would normally need to spend hundreds of dollars just to get a small portion of. Hmm. Edwin spends the next few hours taking photographs of not only the birds, but also where they are in relation to each other. So that by the time he leaves, he has enough information to map out where all the best birds are being held. Information that will come in handy later. Edwin sounds... Very available. 
Just I feel like the nicest way I can put that. <laughs> oh, like uh, very single, not, very not in a relationship. There we go. Now, well, let's let's. He does have a girlfriend at one point in the story. It's not super important, but so. Now that he has all this great intel, he goes back to his dorm and creates a Word document to start to formulate his plan. Now, Cayman, let's say you're planning a museum heist. You right. just got a bunch of information and you need to collect it into a Word document. What do you name the document on your computer? Go. Okay, wait, give me uh, Neon Genesis, okay. Evangelion, mm-hmm. fanfic, mm-hmm. where the Evangelion... Mm-hmm. Makes out mm-hmm. with a Megazord okay. from Power Rangers. That is very good. And why would that you is name the it whole that? title? Um, because it's a heist, right? And uh, actually, I would probably, if if we're being straight up serious, yeah. and I'm planning a heist, I'm naming it like Philosophy Three Hundred One Homework Twenty Eighteen. This is the most boring thing I can. I'm sticking it right. like in a homework folder somewhere. Right. And now why would you do that? Uh, to not get caught. Okay. Well, but then again, na- I'm, how old is he? He's in He's going to name it something dumb. Uh, that was pretty dumb in college. He names it Plan for Museum Invasion. I was not that dumb in college. See, when I invade museums. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, By the way, Michael, we're planning a trip to the Smithsonian. <laughs> yeah, we are. Yeah, actually, actually happening. We're gonna we're gonna steal the Declaration of Independence and the level them up. You know, Independence. The deck the the Declaration of Independence. We we don't steal the Declaration. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna walk into the Smithsonian. I'm gonna say that. I'm gonna say I'm, I'm here, here to, to steal st- the Declaration. <laughs> The Declamation of Implendence. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, shit. <sighs> All right. <Ooh. laughs> so, Edwin maps out the optimal route to get the birds that he wants and starts getting the supplies he'll need. This includes a diamond-bladed glass cutter, which he buys from eBay, and some latex gloves, which he steals during a doctor's appointment. Why can't latex he just buy gloves? those? Those are so cheap. Yeah, he buys the diamond cutter from eBay, but he steals the latex gloves. Well, I guess you you gotta practice. Practice makes perfect. Exactly. <laughs> okay. You yeah. can't go right into stealing birds. He he was apparently he was apparently at his doctor's appointment, which apparently England people can do for free. Um, Communist. He was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna grab these. I'm gonna need these. So I'm gonna just. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get these. I mean, his taxes paid for him. Well, he wasn't paying taxes. He was in school. I personally would like to have the freedom to not be able to afford to go to the doctor. Thank you very much. The American way. So that's what freedom is. He also makes a plan for getting in and out of the small town of Tring on the train from London. Imagine having a train. No, I don't like trains. Oh, fucking oh wrong, wrong. Yeah, wrong opinion. Trains are we awesome. Got, we trains got, are... okay, I guess Europe trains are probably cool, but see, I deal with a train all the time, but it's like a normal-ass Memphis train, so it's just got a bunch of freight on it. Right, that's, and, that's uh, because American trains are just carrying coal from point A to point B. That's the only thing they do, I'm pretty sure. But it's clean coal. <laughs> On July 23rd, 2009, Edwin was playing a concert at a school, 
And post-flout, he went to his locker and grabbed a suitcase with all his burgling accoutrement. Post-flout? <laughs> post-flout. You yeah, said accoutrement really weird. Accoutrement? <laughs> post-flout sounds like something that would be said in a courtroom. <laughs> <laughs> it might be. I guess we'll, we're going to find out if, if they say that post-flout, he goes to rob a bank. Or, I mean, a museum. It doesn't matter. <laughs> By the time the train arrived in Tring, it was late enough that almost everyone was asleep. He walked alone down gravel roads until he reached the museum, which was surrounded by a barbed wire fence. So like a prison break movie, he scaled the fence and cut the barbed wire with a pair of wire cutters he brought. The next challenge was getting into the museum itself, which is where the diamond-bladed glass cutter comes in. Edwin scaled up to a window that would get him close to his beloved avians and started cutting. The problem is, I think Edwin watched too many cartoons... It's not like you just cut a round hole in the glass and wiggle your way through. I watched some glass cutting on YouTube, and I honestly think that glass cutting is louder than just breaking the glass. Really? Because you gotta met. Yeah, it's like it's like it's like you. It's uh, so loud and it's terrible, and it takes so long. And even afterwards, it's not like you're cutting straight through the glass. Like you're basically just creating like an indent that you can then like punch through with some leverage, which you don't have on a window. Like, this just was never going to work. And they even asked Edwin, like, hey, did you practice beforehand? And he was like, nah, I thought it'd be pretty easy. (laughs) (laughs) So, note to all you aspiring museum robbers, just bring a ball-peen hammer. That's Michael's Exactly. Or, Or a rock, which is where we're getting to. Rocks work, too. All this is rendered moot when Edwin just drops the glass cutter into a ravine. Like, he just fumbles it out of his hands. Every time we discuss something like this, they just magoo it. Yeah. Yep. It's, history is built on magoos. Yep. That, no, it's because if they did it right, we wouldn't be talking about it because we wouldn't know who they are. That's Colin, a good point. I, you're going to be very disappointed that him fumbling. Like, not, nothing that we've talked about so far, except maybe that, well... I don't want to give away the ending, but that, that he gets away with this. <laughs> okay. Right. Cool. So Edwin goes the old-fashioned way and bashes the window in with a rock. Now, you may be thinking, this has got to set off like an alarm or something, right? You know what I'm thinking? Not in a museum. You don't think a museum has an alarm? Like on the exterior windows? Nah. Surely. Nah. Museums have like lasers and shit. I know, I've because I've watched lots of movies, and they exactly. always have lasers. And you yeah, gotta bring a can of aerosol something. And, and you it... gotta have an acrobat. Right. But it's like a sexy chick. I, I've seen it be an Asian. And she like does like splits and stuff. No, it was like an Asian dude. It's always an Asian dude. Yeah. It was yeah. An Asian okay. Asian dude. All I can think is Jack Black. <laughs> Tenacious D. Yeah. I'm familiar. Yeah. That's a good one. He's a sexy chick. Yeah, he's pretty sexy. Back black. So I will say it did set off an alarm, but it was more like a blinking light in the security office. And the guard on duty was more interested in a football match that was going on than the alarm indicator. Football. Okay, say football. A football. I have to. I have to make sure that people know. That way, they know it's it's soccer. It's football. So Edwin basically had free reign to browse the best birds. Uh, Keep in mind, he just had a suitcase, so he had to optimize his value. All in all, Edwin was able to pack 299 specimens into his suitcase before slipping back out the way he came in. Small birds. Did he really need the birds? Why would he not need the birds? 
Why not just take the feathers? That's what he's you're, there you're for. You're going to pluck 299 birds? No, you just grab a few. It's not hard to pluck a feather. You pick one up, you grab a handful. Yeah, but this way he gets all the feathers. Yeah, but you want... No, 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 no. If you if you if you jerk like that, and again, this is a visual medium, but like if you if you, you're doing a quick jerking motion, you're not gonna get good feathers that way. You know, you're gonna mess up the integrity of the feathers. For all the audience, the the motion that Michael is making with his hand is a quick up and down motion above his waist. Jesus, man. <laughs> 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 all right, please continue, Michael. You're holding us all up. <laughs> All in all, Edwin was able to pack 299 specimens into his suitcase before slipping back out the way he came in. He spent so much time in the museum without getting caught that he missed the last late night train and had to wait at the station for four hours for the first morning train. Yeah, but he's a college student. That's no big deal. All right. But he got on on the train and headed back to London, and he had pulled off his museum heist without a hitch. Well, without a hitch may not be fair. Okay. That's fine. There were a few hitches. He didn't get caught. Okay. It wasn't until the next morning that the security team realized they had even been broken into. Because they went to go look at their favorite birds and they were gone. No. They saw the window, window. right? Yeah. Yes. Well, the great thing about a a broken window is it's very hard to see. Well, they saw broken glass on the ground because it was broken from the outside. Oh, yeah. That's that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. The museum curators did a sweep of their most valuable collections, including some bird specimens, such as the Darwin finches and their extinct species, such as the dodo. But everything was where it was supposed to be, so they determined that it was probably just someone who decided to break in to see if they could pull it off, or someone who chickened out at the last minute. Oh, so he took the lesser of the birds. Well, I mean, a a dodo specimen would go for a ton of money, but dodo feathers aren't very attractive. Yeah, the thing right. is, he was going for the prettiest ones for, exactly. his, for his fly fishing lures, or whatever they're called. They didn't account on nerds. Exactly. Yeah. The museum didn't even make the effort to do inventory of the birds due to the size of their collection. And honestly, it's a bit contentious as to if they even knew what was in their collection. Like, if they had ever done inventory. If they would even know what was gone. What else do you do if you work at a museum? He took... 200 birds? Surely they would know. 299. Almost 300. He took almost 300 birds. You gotta know at least one of those is gone. The thing is, the museum was so, like, understaffed that the effort it would have taken... Basically, they would have had to close the museum to just do inventory. Which, I mean, on one hand is like, maybe you should do that. On the other hand, like, it's just a broken window. Like, somebody could have thrown the rock and, like, broken that window, you know? If we have any listeners that have ever worked at a museum, know anyone that works at a museum, please reach out to us. Let me know what you're doing at a museum that is not taking inventory. I assume that's all it was. Yeah. I mean, I... I, I think the only people they had were, like, tour guides. I've seen Wonder Woman. Gal Gadot's just doing inventory the entire time. Is it because the UK spends all their money on their medical system? Yep. That's what that's it is. What it is. If it was at the Spencerian, Capitalism wins again. Capitalism, yeah. <laughs> we would have gotten the National Guard in there to count all the birds. <laughs> well, also, the problem is, England probably doesn't have enough, like, museum people museum historians i don't know to like staff all of its museums because they just they've just stolen so much shit (laughs) (laughs) they've got too many museums there's so many valuable artifacts that's fair (laughs) they probably have a lot of museums 
so let's check in with Edwin. Uh, he's doing great. He's sitting on, by extremely conservative estimates, over $250,000 worth of bird skins. It was likely over a million, depending on how he would sell his lot. And no one knows that anything happened. Right. Yeah. Now, I'm sure part of Edwin wanted to just hoard these birds for himself, but the financial crisis of 2008 had left his family in a rough place. You see, at this point, his parents have started their own dog breeding business, where they breed very expensive dogs, which after 2008, no one's looking for a $5,000 dog. Right. What kind of dogs are they? Some kind of doodle mix. I don't really know. I know. Yeah. Yeah. And also, Edwin was in the market for a new flute. Preferably one made of gold for some reason. Yeah. I don't imagine that things being gold make them sound better. No. In fact, in the book that this is this entire episode is based on, they talk about the fact that like they've done sound tests of different metals and it does not matter what the flute's made of. It's literally just a flex on people. Really? Yeah. So a gold flute would sound as good as like a... Aluminum. A nickel, a nickel flute, yeah. Nickel? I don't yeah. know what the fuck they make flutes sure. out of. Yeah, they're normally made out of nickel. That's interesting, because like with wood instruments like guitars and stuff, it matters a lot what kind of wood you use. Well, that's because the reverber... Like, it's not coming from air. It's coming from the actual instrument itself, the reverberation of the instrument. Right. I guess Actually, and sense. it really doesn't, because there's the, um, what's that super expensive violin? Stradivarius? Stradivarius. They've done sound tests. No one can tell the difference. Ah. They're expensive for no reason. I mean, look, look at the research. Do your own research. Well, no, I don't believe that, because there's like $1,000 guitars. Look that at the I... research. Okay. Okie dokie. I'm going to look at the research. You can probably gonna... tell the difference in a $100 guitar and a $1,000 yeah. guitar, but you can't tell the difference in a $1,000 guitar and a $1 million guitar. Like, there's a bell curve, right? It's like yeah. vodka. It, you yeah, can taste fair. very cheap vodka, but there's like at, at the some $30 point, mark. After yeah, $30, $30 mark, they're, 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 they're all, they're all the same. Yep. Yep. That being said, $30 vodka tastes way better than $10 vodka. That's what that's yeah. the whole point. It's After like you can that, tell a cheap I completely vodka. Agree. There's a mark yeah. where it's like then it does not matter. Yeah. All right, now that we've uh outed ourselves as alcoholics, let's move on. <laughs> um so Edwin got to work on turning the spoils of his heist into a black market. He started mm -hmm. advertising on the fly tying forums and eBay with feathers, parts of birds, and sometimes whole birds. Now, you may be wondering why no one questioned how this kid just all of a sudden has all these birds. Well, the kind of people in the market for this stuff are also the kind of people that know better than to ask questions. Right. I also want to pause here to say, when I wrote this sentence, that I had to reorient myself to the fact that we're talking about old men who tie salmon flies. Right. <laughs> so a month after the heist, a visiting researcher is getting a tour of the Trist avian collection. He wants to see the Indian crow, a favorite in the fly tying community for their colorful breast feathers. As the guide opens the first drawer, he finds it empty. He pulls another, also empty. An APB is put out. An all post bulletin is put out for birds? At the museum. Okay. Yeah. Every, everyone's posts are bulletin. <laughs> all three employees are all very three concerned. Employees' bulletins are posted. Ah. <laughs> uh, the team starts pulling other drawers and finding them also empty. The police are called and the broken window case is reopened. 
One interesting fact that the investigators notice is that all the species burgled have only the beautiful birds taken. For instance, the Indian crow doesn't grow its beautiful breast feathers. It's beautiful breasts. Um, for instance, the Indian crow doesn't grow its colorful breast feathers until it reaches adulthood. Conveniently, all the juvenile males were left behind. This told investigators that the birds weren't taken for their scientific value, but for their aesthetic value. The police asked to see the surveillance footage from the robbery. Unfortunately, that gets overwritten after 28 days. And they didn't they didn't check the 29 no, okay, days. That's what bothers me. <laughs> why wouldn't they Is check? that what if you have a broken window, why not just check the footage that day? But they were like, we don't see anything missing. Why would I've, we check the footage? I've figured it out. <laughs> He bribed all three employees that Maybe. worked in that museum. I, I won't condone what you just said, but I believe it. There is no way you don't check. There's no way you see a broken window and you don't check that security. Right? Why wouldn't you? But here's the thing is the police also showed up and they said, hey, this is probably not worth investigating. Like, I, how do you fail on so many levels? No. This was... this. There's something else at play here. By the way, absolutely okay. no so, way they don't check the footage. By the way, so 28 days when they erased the footage. It took them 34 days. It's been over a month since this happened. They no one has seen or heard any. Like there no no one found out that they've been robbed. Hey guys, weren't there supposed to be like birds in these drawers? <laughs> well, okay, so here's the thing though is they don't even know if the broken window is related to the birds being gone because they never do inventory. So, like, they could have been getting robbed over years by, like, just someone who had access uh, one bird at a time. You know what I mean? Like, they don't know for a fact that that's related, and they have no way to prove it. So, like, they have nothing to go on. Oh, well, maybe do fucking inventory. That's what I'm saying. That's the that is the moral of the story. Is if you run a museum, just do inventory. I what else do you have to do? Or check your cameras when a broken window. That's the other moral of the story. I don't know. Maybe just do like the bare minimum. Yeah. This was an inside job. You can't <laughs> convince me it wasn't. You cannot convince me this was not an inside job. I don't know. What year is this? It could just be negligence. People don't know it. Yeah, this is two thousand nine. Oh, never mind. No, people <laughs> This is a time when everyone was trying desperately to prove that they deserve their jobs and trying exactly. not to get fired. Yeah. Like This was right after the financial crisis. So, But maybe the financial crisis caused their funding to get cut, so they cut corners. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they fired the bird guy. Maybe they fired the they bird didn't. guy. They didn't. The bird guy. Okay, here's something I didn't include in my notes, which is true. This guy who ran their bird section had written a paper in the late 90s saying, hey, these birds are incredibly valuable to the right buyer, so we might want to step up our security in our avian department. Like, he wrote a dissertation about why bird security was important. You gotta keep your birds secure, man. Clearly. That's why everyone keeps them in, like, prisons where do yeah, you call those cages. things you put birds cages? in cages yeah yeah, yeah. they're called cages for some reason that word escaped me bird <sighs> prison bird pri <laughs> <laughs> so the police did a sweep of the area and found a diamond glass cutter in the ravine as well as a piece of glove with a drop of blood inside 
blood inside? Did he cut himself when he was... So that was never made clear in the book. I never really understood why that was there, but apparently they found it and they sent it for forensics. But, I mean, this kid never did anything wrong in his life, and he had just come to England the year before. Like, they, I mean, there was nothing right. coming of that. Nothing wrong that we know of. That we know of that wasn't... Maybe he book. was a murderer, and Maybe. that's why he had blood in his glove. It could happen. Anything's possible. Anything is possible. So pretty soon the museum heist was in the press. And this wasn't a huge news story, but it started traveling within the fly-tying community. Now, did that give anyone pause before buying Edward's wares? No. Not really. No, that's the best time to buy. Did anyone tip off the police? Maybe. Also, no. Oh, no. wow. Why would you? Edwin was still selling bird parts hand over fist. Money is rolling in, and Edwin is finally able to buy his solid gold flute. So when I said at the beginning that his fly-tying hobby got him a solid gold flute, this is how. If I saw a flautist with a solid gold flute... You would assume he had rich parents. You wouldn't say, that guy robbed a museum. I would maybe... Yeah, yeah I mean, you're right there. But I would already hate that person. Oh yeah, no. I'm sure <laughs> yeah. I'm sure Edwin is insufferable. Oh, I yeah. No, that's what I said. He seems very available. <laughs> like incredibly available. He has a girlfriend at a specific part of the story. And it's Okay. It's it's also very important that we discuss this, but not right now. Okay. We'll wait. I'll wait. Okay. So, like I said before, Edwin is selling his wares in different formats, right? If he just sells feathers, he can make the most money. Because, again, a baggie of feathers could go for somewhere in the hundreds of dollars. But if he sells, like, a, a, a full wing or something like that, the value overall goes down a little bit. But you're dealing with less people. You can sell wholesale your most lucrative of buyers are going to want a whole bird, which means you can get a lot of money up front, but you're not going to get as much money overall. So he's kind of switching up how he's doing it for different birds. Right. But again, he has these very wealthy people that want the full bird, one of these being a Danish blacksmith named Jens Pilgard. Now, I'm not sure how a blacksmith makes enough money to be able to afford a hobby like this, but it's Dane land? Danish? Where are Danish people from? Netherlands. The Nether he's from the Netherlands. So like they're probably still like needing horseshoes and stuff. I'm not really sure. No. <laughs> they're a very developed country. I'm sure they are. I don't know what I when you say a blacksmith, and I say this because I've known a few blacksmiths, not personally, but I've known that they exist. Spiritually, emotionally, sexually. Oh well, the only the only blacksmiths that still exist exist to show people what blacksmiths would have looked like no you're talking like, about like people that are at like the ren fair and stuff like, like that exactly no, come on that that's who good. this guy is who else is a blacksmith michael maybe who maybe else he, is a blacksmith? okay all right here's no. my backstory for him i no. have nothing to prove this all right okay he started an internet company he started the internet in the netherlands right he was the first one that had it yep <laughs> netherlands internet yep. netherlands.com he did it <laughs> he sold out and then he made so much money that for the rest of his life all he did is blacksmithing and fly tying where are you going to blacksmith where are you going to show people you're not going to do it for yourself maybe he just does it maybe that's just his other hobby maybe when they ask him what do you do for a living he goes he goes i'm a blacksmith 
if that was his other hobby, it wouldn't be significant enough of a note to bring up. He is doing this somewhere. I guarantee this you. This man is a blacksmith at Ren Fairs. This man is a blacksmith at Ren Fairs because that's the only place that blacksmiths exist. If you asked John McClain what he did for a living, he'd say, Be Willie. I'm, I'm a fly. I'm a fly tire. And you say, that's not a job. And he go, that's what you think, bro. One of these customers is a Danish blacksmith named Jens Pilgard. <laughs> so he sells Jens a full bird at a fly tying show in March of 2010. Two months later, Jens is at a fly tying festival in the Netherlands and is bragging to everyone about this new bird that he bought. One of the guys he's bragging to is a former undercover Irishman during the Troubles who took up fly fishing to deal with the PTSD. Dude is no-nonsense, and in the book, he's referred to only as Irish. Like, that's his name. Or, like, that's his code name, is Irish. How have we not covered the Troubles? I have it on my list of things I want to cover, but I looked into it, and it's such a big topic. Like, I don't know where you start. It's... It's big, and also it's dark. You would have to start in, like, the 1600s. It's easy, guys. A five-part series on the Troubles. There we go. We could do it. (laughs) Oh, God. Well, when Irish sees this bird, he notices that it had been tied up, like, as if it were a specimen in a museum. Because birds that are made to be displayed have their wings sprawled out, whereas this had it tied to its sides, its legs were tied together, and it had cotton in its eyes, which is telltale museum specimen bird. Right, it's not taxidermy. Exactly. Like, this was made to be a scientific specimen. Well, I guess technically it's taxidermy, but it's not display taxidermy. Right, 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 right. Yeah. And and since Irish was from Ireland, uh, he had clearly heard about the train heist. So Irish asked the blacksmith where he got the bird. The blacksmith said he got it from some kid named Edwin Rist. Irish went home and started collecting evidence, including forum posts and eBay listings, all under the same username. Flute Player 1988. Nice. Yeah, he's a flautist. It should have been Flautist 1988. Flautist 1988. Wait, this is the Irishman? Well, no, he collects evidence about... Flute Player 19... Yeah. Okay. Who is... Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, is this this guy's job, or is his hobby finding crimes with other people's hobbies? (laughs) No, he's he's in the fly-tying community. He finds out about this thing that happened, but he's also a former undercover cop who's like, I'm gonna bring this guy down. Right, okay. Cool. Maybe that'll make your wife love you. You said he was Irish? Was he in the... What's the... Is it the IRA? the IRA? He, I'm sure he was undercover in the IRA. In the IRA, yeah. I, wait, what? Was he an undercover cop? He was an undercover cop, yeah. He was probably just an undercover civilian. He probably didn't infiltrate the IRA. I'm sure he did. Do you think he was just hired by the IRA? I feel like the IRA To need to take like up a... fly tying to deal with PTSD, he's definitely undercover in like, in like some shit, you know? I the, the 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 troubles were shit. I don't know. Let's move on. We can find out more about that guy later in our five part series on the troubles. I doubt it. I doubt it. Because the thing is, he did. He went by a code name the in name the book. Irish. He went by a code name in the book. This if, dude is undercover. This dude we, is is gone. We will never learn anything about him. 
So Iris turns all this information over to the Trist Police Department, who get eBay to identify Flute Player 1988 as Edwin Rist. So Iris turns this over to the Trist Police Department, who, having nothing better to do... Well, they have no leads. They finally have a single lead on this. Because they have nothing to go off of. Because they're like, when was it robbed? We're not sure. What was robbed? We're not sure. Uh, like, I mean, that, they finally <laughs> right. have something to go on. Birds? We're birds? looking for birds. Birds have been taken. We don't know what kind of birds. We don't know what they look like. But if you see any, hit us up. So, the Tring Police Department checked the museum guest log and tied this name of Edwin Rist back to a time when he went to take photographs under the same name, right? I mean, they're like, okay, this kid visited the museum. He's selling birds. Like, they were able to get a search warrant for him. Right. So, on November 12, 2010, Edwin Rist got a knock on his door. As soon as the police say, hey, we've got a search warrant, he goes, yeah, I stole those birds. <laughs> <laughs> so November 12, 2010, this is a year and a half after he does it. Like, right. he got away with it for so long. Yeah. I mean, what's the... I, I I just assume England, they put you in, like, I don't know, a prison made out of candy canes, and you lick your way out, and you're... Well, we're gonna find out what England does in their legal system. It's a okay. big point of the story. But I will say, as a little, as a little nugget of knowledge... No matter what, as soon if you know you're guilty and the cops have you dead to rights, just shut up. Just don't say anything. Don't say anything. Plead the fifth. Put your hands on your head. Put your hands on your head. Lay down. Wait for them to handcuff you. Go to the police station and wait till a lawyer is present before you say a word. I mean, that being said, I feel like I know that here in the U.S., but if I was in a foreign country... I would do the same thing. You can't put... I would absolutely do the same thing. I also probably wouldn't go to a foreign country and do illegal shit. I don't even do illegal shit in this country. Here's the thing. If it's like a legal... If it's a country that you know has lawyers, wait till you can speak to one. Yeah. I'm pretty sure England has lawyers. They wear funny hats. They have have, lawyers. They have wigs. Are they called something else, though? Are they called, like, constable or some dumb fucking name? No, constables are just cops. Whatever. Say, I want to speak to my legal counsel. That's all you have to say. My legal counsel. What's even more baffling is that uh, when they go to Edwin's bedroom, where his girlfriend is still asleep, he also points to his TV in his room and says, I also <laughs> stole that from my uh, from my university's common room. That's bad. He shouldn't yeah. have done that. Yeah, don't do that. They didn't know about that. Yeah. He just, he's just incriminating himself for no reason. <laughs> yep. There is no way to break, there is no reason to bring that up. No. Again, just shut no. your mouth until you see a lawyer. Edwin was taken into custody and the birds were returned to the museum. Of the 299 that were taken, Edwin was still in possession of 174 of them. However, only 102 still had their identifying tags. So each of these specimens also had a tag that identified where they were taken, when they were taken, any conditions that were notable, and who took them. So, so many of these, like, you know, centuries-year-old birds are completely useless if you can't identify when and where they were taken from. Right, what's the significance of it? Exactly. Basically, if you don't, if you don't have that stuff, they are completely scientifically irrelevant. 
But I mean, all the people who kept their mouths shut, they got while the getting was good. Right. Because how are you going to track that? Unless this stupid college kid was keeping very in detail records, which I somewhat doubt. Oh, well, I don't even, I don't even include this, but as soon as he's in like the, uh, as soon as he's in the interrogation room, he's like, here's all the people that bought from me. Here's what they have. Like he rats them all out. Oh my God. Why? But even still, like it doesn't really matter. Like they really don't go after anybody. Right. What are you going to, you're going to track down some old man in ohio and be like those bird those feathers you have were illegal like eh, that's a logistical nightmare yeah and even if you get them back like i said the first thing you're gonna do is cut that tag off because you know where they came from or honestly i mean edwin cut it off before he sent yeah. it to you no he He's wasn't sending, sending it to you with, the with a tag, tag on it that says tryst museum like property of tryst museum yeah exactly so like <laughs> this is stolen to, to track it down is like, what's the point? You know, like, I mean, yeah, you could get back at somebody, but like, even the museum isn't looking to press charges. Or like, I mean, obviously against Edwin, but like... They didn't even care that they lost birds. They're not pressing charges. <laughs> They're like, yeah, we didn't even notice. They didn't even know what they had to begin with. Honestly. Yeah. So, but to be fair, they also had a pile of bird parts, you know, that Edwin had cut off, which were also scientifically irrelevant. Um, unless you wanted yeah. to create some kind of Frankenstein bird of paradise, you know, that might be cool. Signs could do that. <laughs> so Edwin is questioned by police and fully cooperates, believing that this will completely blow over. He even refuses legal counsel, which again, don't do that. Get a lawyer. Yeah. Don't Talk do to that. a lawyer. Talk to your legal counsel. They're the only person that's going to represent you. Everyone else wants to put you behind bars. It's honesty. That's honesty and guilt. He knows he did it wrong, and they're like, hey, do you want a lawyer? And he's like, no, I, I fucking did it. I stole those birds. <laughs> Throw the book at me. Don't do it. Don't do it. Talk to your lawyer. Get out of it if you can. I think the best thing to do is just confess all crimes, related or non, just to any police officer. I killed JFK. Holy shit. I did it. I'm sorry. Very impressive, considering it wasn't even born. I did it. I was on the grassy knoll. It was very grassy. But, again, Edwin's in England, which means even confessing to every... I did all of it. He gets let go with a court date. Jesus. <laughs> and Edwin goes back to school! Wait, does he get let go with a court date, or does he, like, get bailed out? I don't know how the no, legal system No, he doesn't get bailed works. out. They go, here's your court date. You can go home now. England sounds sick. Right? <laughs> and he goes back to school. And he was six months from graduating. So, like, he was like, am I going to graduate or am I going to be thrown in prison? I don't really know. But he kept going to school. Uh, and the BBC starts reporting, like, hey, this flute player, this flautist, robbed a museum of bird skins. Like, everyone knows that he did it. Like, because, again, he confessed already. It's not even, like, allegedly flautist steals bird skins like no flautist steals bird skins that's the headline and it's not even a right. headline no one cares really but it's a funny yeah. story <laughs> so edwin also had to tell his family who did the smart thing and said you're gonna get a lawyer right yeah because particularly edwin is facing 24 years in prison for birds i get that they have historical for burglary 
a burglary. Burglary. I, that makes sense, though. They have historical significance. The punishment should be somewhat severe. I right. feel that. Yeah. So his lawyer looked at the case and decided that he should have Edwin psychiatrically evaluated. Specifically, he wanted him to see a psychologist named Dr. Simon Baron Cohen. If that name sounds familiar, it's because he's the cousin of Sasha Baron Cohen, famous for playing Borat. the character Borat. Yep, it's Borat's cousin. And uh, in uh, Talladega Nights. And Talladega Nights, yep. Hey, you want to hear my Borat impression? No, I don't. I'm going to do it anyways. You oh, ready? God. Yeah. <clears throat> Very nice. My wife. <laughs> my wife. Oh, no, Colin actually did it. <laughs> Baron Cohen was England's leading expert on autism and Asperger's syndrome specifically. After mm -hmm. conversing with Edwin and giving him a series of tests, Baron Cohen concluded that Edwin had an obsession with fly tying that was consistent with Asperger's syndrome. As such, the museum break-in was seen as entirely logical, as Edwin had a sort of tunnel vision that clouded his sense of right and wrong. Baron Cohen recommended treatment and counseling rather than jail time. Now, you may think that sounds ridiculous, but there was a legal precedent for this. In the early 2000s, a man named Simon Gibson started robbing graves of World War I veterans. And not of valuables, but of their skulls and vertebrae. I thought you were going to say there was a precedent for people breaking into museums and stealing birds. No. <laughs> no. Okay. Just of people with Asperger's stealing shit. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Gibson was caught and sentenced to 18 months in prison for his actions. Gibson's lawyer appealed and cited that his client was obsessed with skeletons and that him being in a crypt was like being, quote, a chocoholic being let loose in a Cadbury's factory. End quote. So you're telling me that the guy who stole the vertebrae of World War I veterans was like a chocoholic in a Cadbury's factory. <laughs> That's what his lawyer said to get him out of charges. And the damnedest part of it is that it worked. Well, it's not a hard sell. It is not a hard sell. It, yeah, you're digging up vertebrae for... A, it makes sense. You are mentally unstable. Okay, in okay, what you're describing is that Ed Gein, that Ed Gein should have been let off because he was like, oh yeah, he just loves dead bodies. He digs them up. He wants to make lampshades out of them. That's just his upset. Maybe he just likes that. Maybe that's fine. You want to know why your example there doesn't work, Mike? Why? Why? Ed Gein is the only prominent serial killer in the U.S.'s history to get declared insane. Most other ones do not get declared insane, and Ed Gein actually did. He planted sanity okay. and won. He's one of the only people to do so. So. But, okay, here's the difference between the U.S. and London. That makes sense. If you're stealing vertebrae, you are mentally unstable. I agree with that. If you're stealing birds, you're unstable up until the point that you're making profit. When you're making profit... I don't know if that's mental insanity. I don't think he stole it for the money, though. It really seems like he stole it for the money. He, he bought, bought a, gold a golden flute. flute. Who yeah. buys a golden flute? Yeah, no. but, but there were more valuable specimens in the museum. 
He didn't steal those. He stole the ones that were the prettiest. No. But he knew how to flip. He knew how to flip the other ones, though. Exactly. He had a market for them. Yeah. I mean, that's fair, but. You got to find a buyer for a dodo. I don't know. I If I if you gave me a dodo skeleton, I would have no idea where, where to go with it. I think you guys are being like you're giving him too much credit. This guy didn't know how to cut a window open. And you think that he had planned on how to sell the birds? Like, I don't know. He knew how to sell the birds. He had bought the birds. But he doesn't know how to cut a window open? I don't know. Those are two different skills. Have (laughs) you met a people? I don't know that Einstein could cut open a window. I don't know that I could cut open a window. I've never done it. Well, no one's saying you're a genius. I, but ex- <laughs> Colin, have you ever cut open a window? Have you ever cut glass? No, Colin. but I could look that up on YouTube. And I mean, it was the '90s, sure, but still, like, no, it wasn't. It was 2009. YouTube already existed at this point. To the uh, YouTube existed in 2009. YouTube existed for four years. Yeah. Surely there was someone cutting glass on YouTube within the first four years. Yeah, probably. That's what I'm saying. Uh, they did, They even asked, did you practice? And he said, nah, I no. thought I could figure it out. Right. Uh, how hard could it be? That sounds insane to me. That's all I'm saying. I'm a, fla- I, I'm a flautist. Stupidity is not insanity. <laughs> okay, that's fair. <laughs> So Edwin's counsel strolls into sentencing, now armed with an Asperger's diagnosis from the country's leading expert and legal precedent on their side. The prosecution makes a pretty strong case that Edwin was not driven by obsession, but by greed. Again, it was the whole conversation that we just had. Right. No. Seeing as he didn't keep the birds, he sold them and bought, and I can't stress this enough, a golden flute. Right. However, as soon as the Gibson case was evoked, the judge had no choice but to side with legal precedent. And the judge even knew this was ridiculous as he gave his sentencing. He said, quote, Were I to pass a substantial prison sentence upon you... Oh, wait, I guess I should do a British accent. Were I to pass a substantial prison sentence upon you... I'm not going to do that. <laughs> you should have gone Mike Myers. <laughs> Yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. Oh, God. Were I to pass a substantial prison sentence upon you, which would be wholly merited by the value, if not pricelessness, of the items that you stole, no doubt on one view the public would commend me, and on another view the court of appeal in my judgment would severely criticize me in the light of the attitude which they display in the case of Gibson as to the appropriate course that trial judges should take when faced with somebody suffering from the syndrome. All that can be done is to try to support you and attempt to ensure that this sort of behavior is not repeated. So, the judge essentially said, I find you guilty. I find you guilty, but... I think you should... Well, it's not finding him guilty. You should rot in hell. Finding him guilty is not an issue. You deserve more than what I'm about to give you. I think that there should be severe sentencing, but I don't want to go against precedent in order to protect my record. It is my my duty to not give you what I think you deserve. Precedent only exists until another judge sets new precedent. Unless it was a very high court. Yeah, but there's also a hierarchy of judges. Yeah, so if it was like the British Supreme Court, I don't know how law works in Britain. I don't, I don't even either. know if they use the same legal system we use. Do they I use the French it. system? I don't know. 
They might use the French system. I, I don't know. No, there's no way the British use the French system. They hate each other. Yeah, but the French system is a whole system of law. There is a higher... There is the idea of a higher court. So, you know, there's there's at least enough parallel to... You can make your point that, like, he doesn't believe that he's doing the right thing, but he also knows that his hands are tied. Uh, right. But on his wrists. Edwin wrist. Yeah, that was the joke. Oh, I don't. I, I really didn't hear what you, all I heard was wrists. I don't know what you're saying. Uh, so with that, Edwin was sentenced to 12 months suspended, which essentially means 12 months probation, and he was expected to pay back roughly two hundred thousand dollars. Now, there's no telling how much Edwin made overall, but it didn't really seem like the amount really phased him to pay back. Oh. Many of Edwin's old customers also brought personal suits, uh, but most of those were settled out of court. And with that, he went free. Why would a customer bring a personal suit? Because because now they had they're in possession. Like they didn't know that they were buying stolen goods. Like they were like, "Hey, you're you you fraudulently sold me stuff that you stole." Like blah blah blah. They were just you know. All right. Yeah, I'd probably just keep my mouth shut and keep my bird feathers. Yeah, that's what most people did. That being said, I wouldn't keep bird feathers at all. Right. So, because you don't care, because most people don't. That's and that goes back to my idea that you know this is a circular economy. The only people that care are the people who are in this in this you know hobby. So essentially, the moral of the story: if you're going to rob a museum mm-hmm. and you want to pretty much get away with it, just make sure you steal some shit that normal people don't care about. Like, birds. The thing is, though, like, they're very important to science. Like, we learned a lot from those birds. Like, well, they're, they they were important. He didn't take all the birds, just some of them. Just he the pretty ones. all the ones. pretty ones. <laughs> only, like three, only like 300. Come on. Yeah. Uh, So, I guess to wrap us up, I mean, look, he went free. That was it. That's the end of the story. I have a short, where are they now? And not even where are they now, it's just where is he now? Where is he now? Uh, so Edwin Riss, like I said, he's a prominent flautist. He changed his name to Edwin Reinhardt uh, because, I guess, to get away from his identity, but I'm outing him. Does he still have the golden flute? I'm sure he does. Or maybe he had to sell it. Maybe his parents were like, hey, you gotta sell that flute. You gotta pay back your blah, blah, blah. And in fact, he continues to play in a German ensemble band to this day. He also has a great YouTube career, uh, which he started with his channel Heavy Metal Flute. Uh, in which he plays a bunch of different heavy metal songs on the flute. Uh, I I want to play a clip of that. The, I don't want to play a clip. I want that to play us out, if we could. Uh, um, if we could. If we can. I think we can. Why not? I mean, he steals. I mean, we're... Why can't we steal <laughs> from the stealer? My favorite video on his heavy metal flute uh, is with him covering Metallica's Master of Puppets exclusively on different flutes. But more recently, he started a YouTube channel, which I won't identify for the reasons of him wanting to move past this, which is understandable, uh, in which he does 3D printing reviews. And it's clear, based on his lack of identifiers, he definitely wants to move past everything that's happened. And I, like I said, I can't blame him for that. Which makes sense, dude. But Master of the Puppets on flute fucking rocks. It slaps. It it's slaps. so sick. I'm watching it now. I'm not paying attention. Whatever you just said, I I was not paying attention. I'm watching Master of the Puppets on flute. I think I could hear it 
through your microphone. No, that was me on accident. Oh, sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Dude, actually go watch Master of the Puppets on foot. I mean, he's incredibly talented. He's I, Exactly. I mean, the dude's incredibly talented. I'm sure he was a great fly tire, too. It's just like, don't steal shit, you know? Like, that's really the moral of the story. Well, he was he was in college. You know, he's... We all made mistakes in college. We all stole birds in college. We all we all stole from a natural history museum in college. Me personally, I stole the declaration of, of the independence, the emancipation, the pen, the emancipation proclamation, the emancipation of independence. So that's the story of Edwin Riss, the feather thief. All right, uh, I have to give a huge shout out, maybe the biggest shout out. This is the biggest shout out. Mm-hmm. To Kirk Wallace Johnson, who wrote the book that this episode was based on. It's called The Feather Thief, Beauty, Obsession, and the Natural History Heist of the Century. Now, the reason I've got to give it the biggest shout-out I've ever given is because, like I said, there's no Wikipedia page on this. Almost every bit of information that's in this episode comes from that book. Okay. It Like, this guy basically found out about the story, did all the research, did the interviews did everything that he needed to do to, to to bring this story forward he's the best i love him kirk you're my boy why don't you kiss him and there's a lot of stuff that i didn't include please buy the book because there's a whole accomplice that edwin kind of had it's kind of like uh like how much was he involved we're not really sure that's why i didn't include it if you want to learn more about that who's to say buy the book You'll find out more about it. He actually gets to interview him in a Scandinavian country that I can't remember. It's awesome. Go buy the book because this guy is literally the only reason that any of us know this story. So, uh, Kirk Wallace Johnson, you, uh, you're you're my best friend. Yep. And that's it. And Michael wants to kiss you, Kirk Wallace Johnson. Yeah, I would. I mean, look, if you if you want to arrange like for us to meet up and like make out. We'll take a picture of it. Put it on the Instagram. I'll kiss you on the mouth. I'll kiss you on the mouth. All right? I'll do it. Yeah, he'll do it. <laughs> it's on recording. You know he will. All right. So that's all your after notes? Yeah, that's it. That's all I got. All right. Well, everybody, you know where you can find us. You know you can dab us up. Send us a smoky hot email on podcast at com or podcast at I-R-W-Y-H. Also, feel free to go give us a follow on our Instagram. That's at I really wish you hadn't. We're posting more. We're trying to be more social media conscious. Trying to let y'all know when episodes are coming out. Especially, I don't know if we've actually revealed this yet, but we're getting away from a regular posting schedule. We're just going to post whenever we're done. We mentioned it. And we're just going to send it to you. Yep. I think we mentioned it yeah, in, in an episode. Yeah, okay, good. well, cool. Well, then just follow the Instagram because now it's the only way to know. And now it'll be exciting. Check your Instagram. Or or follow us on your podcasting app and then it'll just pop up. That's That too. That's more important. You could follow us on the podcasting app if you use like Apple or one of the other ones. If you use Spotify, just give us a bunch of likes. Maybe download our stuff. I don't know. I don't know if that helps at all. Yeah, we're hoping to get that Joe Rogan money. But yeah, we want that sweet, sweet Spotify money. So just feel free to follow us on whatever. Like us. Tell your friends about us. Tell your mom. Tell your grandma. Tell your barber. Or hairstylist. Depending on where you get your haircut. Tell the guy at the grocery store. What else? That was social media? Email? 
I should really have this down by now. But I guess, Colin, go ahead and... Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Play music, Play music now. Okay. Here music we go. boy. Music time. I really wish you hadn't is hosted by me, Michael Bentley, and Kevin McMahon. We're produced by Colin Moore. Intro music by Tax Story. Our outro music is by Edwin Reinhard of Heavy Metal Flute. Our cover art is by someone that I found on Fiverr. Please remember to subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And until next time, don't don't tie don't tie ties or like you know the the fly ties the fly the fly boys fly boys don't fly fish don't fly no you can fly fish but okay here's the thing if you're gonna fly fish tie your own just do it for trout salmon okay here's the thing i didn't go into fly fishing is just fishing for people who don't have the patience for fishing so these like old ties that all these people are so obsessed with that have these like crazy bird feathers so salmon can't tell the difference (laughs) you can catch salmon with whatever you want they're colorblind like you can have a bird of paradise it does not matter like you just tie a normal salmon tie you can also get a chicken feather and dye it you don't need these birds of paradise this is so messed up that we're taking all these endangered species because it's art michael these extinct species it's art it's actually illegal to trade in this stuff it doesn't matter if you got it from a bird that was taken from 1800s or if you took a bird that was born yesterday it doesn't matter it's illegal don't do it all right and as always don't do anything i wouldn't do